This is the Modern Architect radio show and podcast. The Modern Architect features one-on-one interviews with renowned and cutting-edge architects, influencers, and sustainability leaders. Our show informs and illuminates the transformation that architecture brings to our cities, communities, and lives. And now, introducing the host of The Modern Architect, Tom Dioro. Today's guest, we're really, uh, we're really honored and uh, truly excited. Uh, I'll let you know, folks, before we started, this, this is great. Um, we're joined by Randy Collins, structural engineer and the founder and principal of FTF Engineering. They have offices in San Francisco and San Luis Obispo. FTF creates value by designing safe and enduring structures with integrity. They build in an evolving world to ensure communities are safe and businesses prosper. You can find them on the web at ftfengineering.com. Again, that's ftfengineering.com. Today's episode is made possible by Swatchbox, the leading sample platform for architects and designers. Swatchbox brings thousands of product samples from the world's leading manufacturers into one platform. Browse materials for inspiration, create custom collections, then request your samples for free with automatic next day or second day shipping. Get started at Swatchbox.com. Hello, Randy. Honored and uh, super excited to have you on The Modern Architect. Thanks for being here, really. Good to meet you, Tom. Randy, when we were going, I'm so excited about this show because I I can tell um, early on how things are going to go is... I, when I asked you about a quote and you've said so many, you've got so many that go around and I love what you said about our, our world, our society, our place is moving, is fast moving, fast paced. And in, in effect, mankind or uh, we're not really meant to do things at this pace with this level of stress. Did I, did I paraphrase it somewhat accurate? Yeah. 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 And why so? Share um, with the audience why so. I'd love to hear this. Well, I, I, um, I was uh, listening to an interview by a, a gentleman that had um, had written a, a book that I had read, and he pointed out that in this modern world, like everything is up for grabs. The definition of anything and everything is up for grabs. And he said he was from uh, a rural place in England. And I forget exactly how far he wound back the clock, but it was only several hundred years. And he's like, look, several hundred years ago, if I was born in that village, I would be baptized, married, and buried in the same churchyard. By the time I was four or five years old, I would have met my future wife. I would absolutely unequivocally know what my career was going to be. I would be surrounded by extended family. I would never leave that village. Like, I conformed to the world. Uh, it wasn't up to the world to conform to me. And there's a, there's a point where, you know, like when you go to the grocery store and you need to get toothpaste and there's 47 varieties, it's like, fuck, can I just have like two varieties or three? Like, it's overwhelming, you know, it just, it's overwhelming. So just the, the complexities and just in order to... Um, in order to navigate that, we've got to push back on a lot of stimulate stimulus, a lot of, you know, like, no, not going to do that. No, like just get Colgate. Same as last time. Don't, <laughs> and this is the point for Colgate. <laughs> <laughs> totally get where you're going with that. And yeah. how is that even in your business with FTF engineering, that mindset 
to be able to deal with the complexities and the ever-changing challenges on a day-to-day, if not hour-to-hour basis? Fortunately, that is a good question. Fortunately, structural engineering isn't, I don't want to say isn't fashionable, but isn't prone to fads in the set. Like people will say to me, um, you know, oh, have you worked in this area? Have you worked up in the North Bay? Have you worked in Napa? Have you worked down on the, I'm like, no, but the physics are all the same. Like we're still on planet earth. Um, I know all the things that I need to know to, you know, the information that I need to gather, the math I need to do. Um, but so, so as fast changing as we are, it's still, it's structural engineering. We're not going to reinvent, uh, you know, massively reinvent what we're doing here. Um, I, I think the challenge for us, for our, for the structural engineering profession, um, our capabilities to do math are extraordinary, but yet still what we're modeling is spectacularly complex and we're still making approximations. And at the end of the day, we're not working with switch, Swiss watch builders. We're, we're not working with um, aerospace manufacturers that have extremely precise and accurate tolerances. We're dealing with construction. Uh, and in fact, you had mentioned a quote and, and specific to what I do for a living. This is my favorite all-time favorite quote of structural engineering. Um, Structural engineering is the art of molding materials we do not wholly understand into shapes we cannot precisely analyze so as to withstand forces we cannot really assess in such a way that the community at large has no reason to suspect the extent of our ignorance. Now, some structural engineers will, you know, like, why are you saying that, dude? We know we're dead. It's like, yeah, we you have to have a lot of experience to do this well. It's not just the math. You, know, you have to take the math and go, wait a minute, does that make sense? Is that like, is that what I've seen out there? No, it's not enough. Something in the math needs to be added. What draws you and drew you so much to that, to your field, to your profession? I, so I, when I was a kid, I really liked trains and I wanted to drive trains. And so I understood that to drive a train was to be an engineer. And so I said, I want to be an engineer. And all of a sudden I'm taking all this math and I don't really understand why you need all this math to drive a train. And and I'm like, maybe it's the timetables. Maybe it's not like, I don't know. And I, all this math and then it's materials and mechanics and materials and statics and dynamics. And Finally, I was like, guys, I just want to drive a train. <laughs> They're like, oh, you don't need to do this. But I was so far in. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, that um, my dad was an engineer, and he spoke very highly of the profession. Um, I was, uh, as a kid, you know, I just was a was a very um, sort of tactile, physical, like, um, you know, I'm in this world as a physical being, and, and construction fascinated me. Uh, Combined with an aptitude for math and science, um, I was an underachiever uh, academically in high school. I referred to it as a period of social development. <laughs> um, and, uh, I love it. I like I could do math and and science like really easily. I I wouldn't do any homework and I'd get A's on tests. And people around me are like, "What the heck?" So I worked for a year. Uh, after high school and something, I don't know if my grandmother had been praying for me all those years or what, because it was like a light switch. And I was just like, game on, I'm going to college and I'm going to, I'm going to crush it. I'm going to, I'm going to give it my all. And I'd never done that academically at all. And 
So I was at community college in the Boston area for a year down in San Diego for two more years and then transferred to UC San Diego. Um, the program at UC San Diego is only structural engineering. It's not a civil program. And so it was like buildings and structural and they have one of the world's most active um, laboratories for full-scale testing of structural components and entire buildings. And I got to work at the lab and really see stuff break. Um, you know, you're learning concrete, but then you go into the lab and watching and stuff break. And it's like, um, it was really, uh, really formative experiences and then came up here for grad school at Berkeley and uh, was fortunate to work at some firms that really have a long history of not only of excellence in their engineering and their and their clients and their buildings, but also a real dedication to the profession of structural engineering. Uh, so in Northern California, we have one of the most active structural engineering communities in the world. Uh, regular meetings, and it, it's very much, um, you know, it's like when you're at the association meetings, there's a great um, just a, a community of structural engineering, structural engineers wanting to serve the community. And then when we walk out of those rooms, we're competitors and, and you know, we're, um, but it, it's, it's really been, um, I started my own company five years out of school. So it's been 20 years now. And that has held me to the profession. Like I've tried to quit. I'll joke like I'm so frustrated. I quit, you know, <laughs> someone turn off the lights and lock up and take an insurance policy. We're going to get canceled. Wait a minute. I can't quit. And it's beautiful because I, I like, I know what I'm doing tomorrow. Like right now I'm not looking at real estate in North Carolina. Okay. Like This is what I do. This is where I do it. And having that back to the toothpaste aisle, right? Sure. It's like, I'm not wondering if I should go do this or that or whatever. It's like, this is what I do. It's my company. Um, you know, what's, yeah. What, what are we going to, what are we going to do in 2023? Cause I know this is what we're doing. The five years right out of school. Is that common among structural engineers to start your own? Enterprise? I have actually never heard of anybody else doing it. Okay. <laughs> and I wouldn't recommend it. I was, I was recently at a uh, 25th anniversary party of a, um, a local architecture firm. And um, the, the gentleman who started one of the founding partners, uh, who's very close, if not retired, um, he he has a, a more singular pattern. Like I, I would probably be somewhere else if it wasn't for having the company. He's one of those, like I have a vision of the architecture or whatever. And he got up and was given a little speech. And he said, if you're thinking of going out on your own, and my immediate thought was, don't, it's not worth the brain damage. <laughs> and he's like, I can't tell you enough, do it. It's wonderful. It's this, it's that, you know? And I, I loved his energy and his passion. Um, and 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 his his uh, his vision, and I am really grateful that I did it. It's 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 nutty. I was talking with another colleague who sold her firm. She grew up to about forty or fifty people and sold it to one of these many thousand person um, firms. They wanted a San Francisco office, and she's now fully retired. And I was joking that I kind of have five jobs. And I've got to do all five of them and I've got to make it fit in 40 or 50 hours a week because I'm not going to kill myself doing this. 
and you just you have to have a, a, a stomach for like yeah that's not going to get done that's not going to get done that's not going to get done the the the, the real key things are going to get done and there's going to be a lot of things that are left undone wow it's small business you know yeah this is terrific you're listening to the modern architect podcast and show we're talking today with randy collins structural engineer and founder of ftf engineering you can find them on the web at ftfengineering.com. That's ftfengineering.com. You talked about uh, starting your own firm now. Obviously, you're successful. Does the does the gut wrench ever go away at some level? Not because of external circumstances, but because of an internal focus. Okay. There's, there's always the stimulation. Uh, the, there's always the opportunity to be freaking out. And in fact, when I was talking about going out on my own, um, I was working for a general contractor. So I was at Magnuson Clemensic out of Seattle for a year. I was at Dayton Corp Engineers for two years. And then I was at Hathaway Dinwiddie Construction Company for a few years. And I was talking with the structural engineer who was on our job and talking about going out on my own. And he was like, no way, the risk, the lawsuit, the risk, the risk, the risk. And I'm like, like what does that have like insurance like i'm not, I'm not going to do something or not do something out of fear um but um yeah there's always something to worry about you know you got too much work and you got to find people you don't have enough work and you got to find work there's uh definitely um you, you just have to focus on like that's out of my control so i've got to let it go this is what's in my control um, it has always been a challenge of, of faith. Absolutely. I like that. The challenge of faith. So a belief system, obviously confidence and a willingness to do the uh, somewhat unknown. Do you think it's innate or can you instill it in somebody? That's a good question. My impulse answer is innate in the sense of, of risk-taking personality, a, a challenger personality. Um, on the other hand, it, it might just be a matter of drawing someone out to, to more like think through the things that are holding them back and realize that those aren't that, you know, that that's a perceived thing. It's not a real thing. Um, I, I know that um, my experience in the profession of structural engineering, I've met few people who have the kind of personality that I have. Um, I'm very much a challenger. Like you tell me there's a rule and I'm gonna go, well, who the hell are you? And why is that the rule? You know, like who's the authority that this rule rests on and why is it the rule? Um, which is like, uh-oh, that's bad in structural engineering. <laughs> It's um, with the way I was brought up in the profession, uh, both academically and then mentored as a young engineer, uh, the education was all about understanding the principles. And oh, by the way, there's a thing over there called the building code, and you can figure that out when you go to work. And then the firms that I worked at, uh, particularly with the seismic emphasis of design, were about the realities of seismic performance and capacity design and and the the need for buildings to to be able to move in an earthquake 
um, the way that we actually model that, the way that the building code turns out these things, it's like that was almost an afterthought. Like now that you've thought this through the seismic evaluation, go see what the code says. And it's like code. Like what's the code? Well, it's yeah. Eventually, you got to go to the code, but um, understanding why the code says what it says, because the code's basically like a recipe for chocolate chip cookies, but nowhere in the code does it say like you should make good chocolate chip cookies. Like there's there the building code really provides the opportunity for someone to not get the big picture and still design buildings and get permits and stamp and sign them and build them. And they still don't get the big picture because they're just following the recipe, following the recipe. It, a segue in that following the recipe, I noticed your website and I looked at other structure engineers is yours looks by design very well. It's almost like a, uh, I don't want to say that alcohol bottle, but like, you know, tequila cup. It's just very well done. And it looks like it's with thought. It's with thought and it has intention. Is is that true or my? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and early on when I was starting out on my own, um, I had been involved in a baseball, major league baseball stadium, um, uh, hospital retrofit, uh, work at UC Stanford and UC Berkeley, sorry, at Stanford and UC Berkeley. Um, and then a biotech, uh, $150 million biotech lab down at Genentech. And I started on my own doing wood frame residential remodeling. I'd never had a class in wood. I'd never put a set of drawings together because I'd done construction administration and seismic evaluations and reports uh, at the firms that I worked at. And I'm like, get the book, read it, figure it out, go do like just another material. Like, you know what you got to do? You got to connect the elbow bone to the, you know, shoulder bone to like, like, you know, what you got to do. Um, so you just, I just went at it. Um, I'm losing my train of thought. It's okay. Keep it going. I love it. Question. I love it. No, no. What, what was, remind me what the question was. It, it's about the branding and the website, yeah, the and, website. And, and everything you do. Um, it's, it's very nice. It looks like it's deliberate. Yeah. In contrast. Now, so early on, I I said, no one taught me this. I just was, you know, just look at the problem. Um, I would say to my CAD, because I, you know, I, I didn't have CAD standards. I didn't, you know, we're just kind of making this up as we go. And I always had a sense that our drawings are the most important product that we have. Um, but as an engineer, you're like, no, my math, my computer model, you know, like, we're, we're over there in the weeds. And if I can't present the information to a building official for review and to a contractor to build it, and they've got a thousand things going through their mind, um, it's got to be presented graphically in a way that the, that the user is like, you want to draw them in. And there's been a few occasions over the course of my career where I go out to the site and a contractor has said to me, I enjoy looking at your drawings. And I have said, thank you very much. And that's not by accident. That's not by accident. We work really hard. Obviously, we're going to do great engineering, but I can't really prove that to anybody. You know, other than another engineer who goes, wow, look at that. You know, like our, our clients, by 
definition of hiring us don't know what we do. But that's to the cookies taste good is, is the quality of the drawings and how the contractor can put them into place. And then obviously, ultimately, when an earthquake comes and your building performs well. I love that. You're listening to the Modern Architect podcast and show. We're talking today with founder and principal Randy Collins of FTF Engineering. For more information, feel free to visit the website at ftfengineering.com. That is ftfengineering.com. Randy, what I found in our uh, in your show today that's really interesting is you've taken some very complex ideas and thoughts and, and places, and I'm sure you do with work, and and make them simple, which is actually a tremendous challenge to take something that's very complex, explain it, and have, oh, I understand that. Is that something that you internal, intrinsically work on yourself to go, how do I explain this to these people who may have a diff completely different view than I do, so that they have an understanding at least, and then they can make a decision? Because uh, uh, that's a rare quality. Yeah. Um. I want to be careful here. Yes, um, thank you. Uh, a contractor recently that I get along with really well, um, I was kind of giving him the compliment. I'm like, Aaron, I, I think you're smarter than I am. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I said, the way that you can navigate, so Aaron and I work on these high-end residential projects where he might be working for a client and doing a $15 million remodel of their house. These are very, very sophisticated people. They are very, very successful people. They are very, very busy people. And some of the stuff that I see on the back end, I'd be like, just my emotional makeup. I'd be like, and he navigates this stuff, very complex issues, uh, personalities, like the way that he navigates it. And I said to him, I said, let me make sure you understand what I mean by you're smarter. If someone knew the two of us and they were picking who they would want to live next door to them, most people would pick you. And he was laughing and whatever. I said, now, on the other hand, if they were picking someone to take their SAT exams for them, <laughs> they'd probably pick me. And he's like, yeah, you're right. You can do math. Um, so yes, I have, there, there's a, a way that my brain just does these concepts. I mean, when I was in college, um, I noticed a pattern of exams where it's like you learned how to solve the problem this way, and you learned it this way, and you learned it this way. And then in the exam, they would ask the same concept, but they'd come in it from the side door and people would just get blown up. And I'd be like, oh, this is the same thing we've been doing all along. It's just a side door. The, the way that my brain works quickly and analytically is, is very well suited to the, the structural engineering. Keeping the big picture in mind that uh, we, we deal with things as beams and columns and bolts and connections and footings and walls, but we're really creating a system that has to work together as a structure, but then the system, that structure has to serve a higher purpose of what are the, whatever that shelter is providing, hospital, biotech lab, baseball stadium, um, house, kitchen remodel, uh, and suit that owner's 
goals. And my experience of working at firms that have been around for 75 to 100 years and do that extremely well, and the little things that I would overhear as a young engineer, um, combined with working for a contractor for two years and never hearing anything about structural engineering unless something was wrong. It's like, that's the role I play. So um, some architects don't like working with me because I'm fussy and complicated and I talk too much. And another engineer will just like, hey, do this. And they're like, okay, do that. And I'm like, hey, why are we doing that? In fact, I just had that same arc, that same contractor. There was some communication about some options. They've done some demo and exposed some things. And I'm like, we should just leave that here. And they're like, yeah, they want to move the wall. And I'm like, oh, fine, like we can we can do that. And and so we were talking about some nuances and some, you know, he's talking about the cost. And I'm like, there's more to it than that. And we sent an email to the architect and the architect basically just knocked it down. Just like that, they, the client doesn't want that. And I'm like, who are you to say what the client wants? You're the architect. Like, this is a complex issue that frankly, most structural engineers can't explain. And as a professional, like you should be saying, have that conversation with a client. And, um, you know, Every, every project doesn't necessarily need it like a deep dive, but just pointing out that the building code is minimum standards for construction. It's not best practices. And another way to really underscore that that I heard that really resonated with me is anything less is illegal construction. <laughs> like <laughs> This is not the best we can do. So does that meet code? Well, wait a minute. If you think code means earthquake proof, if you think code means, you know, what's best? Well, the building code is not just written by engineers. Um, the building code is also uh, has influence from builders and developers and, you know, all kinds of people that want to keep the standards really low so that when they go to alter a building, they're not saddled with a ton of mandates. But I want my clients to understand, you don't have to do this, but it might be most prudent to do this. And so what's your expectations? Uh, I had a conversation like this one time about doing some seismic improvements on a building. And the guy was like, I got a house in Palm Springs. I got a house in Hawaii. I got, and I'm like, I get it. <laughs> the likelihood that that person is in that house when a big earthquake happens is very low. And they don't need that house after an earthquake because they've got five other houses. On the other hand, you might have a situation where, well, the, the biotech lab that I worked on, they had like a double seismic system. It was very sophisticated, very expensive. And I was like, wow, that's expensive and sophisticated. And they said, well, yeah, we might have a beaker sitting on a lab bench that's got a billion dollars in science sitting. Oh. So this building needs to really have extremely high seismic performance. That makes sense. So that's awesome. Navigating that and like and getting the bigger picture, you know, no one wakes up in the morning and goes, you know what I hope I do today? I hope I call a structural engineer. <laughs> like, no, even my wife doesn't say that. Right? It's like, oh, we gotta have a structural engineer on this job. Oh, 
It's hoping we can avoid that. That's the reality, right? Um, so how do we keep that end goal in mind? And um, I've always said in my practice, my goal is no surprise clients. You know, okay, that happened. Yeah, I remember we had that conversation. This is outstanding. What would you like to share with your audience today, Randy, that we may not have touched on in your show? Oh, good. Lord. I mean, do we have to stick to structural? No, we don't. You absolutely do not. It's your, it's your show. <sighs> uh, absolutely do not. I, I, yeah, I don't even know where to start, man. Um, I, COVID has changed us all. Man, has COVID changed us all. And um, I am learning in the past month or two, I am learning compassion in a way that is changing me. And, you know, we've all been through whatever we've been through, through COVID, going home or, I mean, I talk to people in healthcare and to have seen people die alone, you know, they're just like, it's like, I didn't personally have that experience um, in in terms of a, a, a close someone close mm-hmm. to me who needed to be hospitalized. You couldn't go see him. You knew it was at that point. Um, but I had, you know, I had my own trauma. Maybe maybe it was self inflicted. Maybe it was <laughs> nature in the universe. Um, but finding that compassion um, and just like yeah. Um, compassion for the people around you and, and the creatures that they've become today. And just like the world's just trying to go so fast and it's like, can we just slow down? Um, I have tended to be a very active, uh, I just have a lot of energy and it's, it's good to let it out. And a couple of years ago, um, you know, COVID was, was well underway and, and I really sensed a call to just like, like really slow down um, don't ride my bicycle for eight to 10 hours a week. And, um, people would, well, they wouldn't ask me if I was okay. They would look at my wife and go, are you okay? <laughs> like you're not riding? No. Oh my gosh, Shannon, are you okay? Uh-huh. <laughs> <I'm> me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, it just, it's like all the things that we think are so precious. It might not be what's precious. Wow. Randy, a real honor and a pleasure having you as a guest today. Thank you very much. I hope you consider coming on again pretty soon, really. I know there's, there's a lot yeah. more to talk about, and this is a terrific show, really. Uh, uh, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Thank Tom. you. You've been listening to the Modern Architect podcast and show. Our guest today has been Randy Collins structural engineer, and founder of FTF Engineering, which has offices in San Francisco and San Luis Obispo. The uh, FTF Engineering creates value by designing safe and enduring structures with integrity, and they build in an evolving world, that's for sure, evolving world, to ensure communities are safe and businesses prosper. You can find them on the web at ftfengineering.com. That's ftfengineering.com. Thank you for listening. Today's episode is made possible by Swatchbox 
the leading sample platform for architects and designers. Swatchbox brings thousands of product samples from the world's leading manufacturers into one platform. Browse materials for inspiration, create custom collections, then request your samples for free with automatic next day or second day shipping. Get started at Swatchbox.com.